God, I thank you that as we just look at your word right now, I, I thank you for the beauty of your word and that as we, as we consider it together, that you will give me the grace to be able to share um, what is important to you, not what is important to me. What is important to you for you to speak to your people? And I thank you for this incredible privilege I have, Lord. Holy Spirit, won't you just please help me? I really am so dependent upon you. Uh, thank you for this, God. Amen. Amen. So, just recently, we had an issue with, with a borehole at our property. We, we heavily depend. We, we love a garden. We love a green garden. We love a green lawn. And um, we got back from our stint to Canada. And uh, as we got home, we were um, informed that the borehole stopped working. And so as we got home, we started seeing the signs of it already, that the grass was turning color. And uh, we couldn't get a, 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 a motor and a pump in, in, in good time. And so week by week, we started noticing that the grass was getting whiter and whiter. It felt like there was snow falling on it. But it hadn't got, it, it, there was nothing to do with snow, obviously. It was just, there was no life because there was no water. And I found myself... At stages, not wanting to go outside because it looked horrible. I remember, I mean, just always sitting on, on, our, on our veranda and observing this beautiful green lawn in front of me. And now I had to go sit there and it was just white and it was just absolutely no life. And I, I knew there was water, but I couldn't get the water to the grass. And it was so frustrating. Like, oh God, this is, this is so sad. Everything is there. I just got to get it out so that it can irrigate the lawn. And, and, and as I thought about that and prepared for this morning, I'm like, isn't it so real that we live in a world where everything that we need to grow is available to us as believers and as people of God, and yet sometimes we don't make use of it. And so we've been journeying together as a church talking about how we need to we really need to love the Word. We, we love reading the Word, and, and it's great for us to do it. And we said it's, it's also just as important to learn the Word and to learn more about what God teaches us in the Word, but then realize that you know, as much as it is important to love and to learn, we've got to apply the Word, and we've got to live the Word. We can't just love it. We can't just learn it. We've got to live it. And, and for me this morning, I'd love to talk to you about growing, which is really the most natural way of living. I don't know how many of you have noticed that since you were born, you've grown. You want to stop and think about that? Major revelation possibly. But since birth, for, for some of you, birth is like way back when, hey? And for some of us, it's not. But for those of you that can think about your date of birth, I can. I remember that day so clearly. It's an amazing Tuesday. <laughs> we've all grown since birth we've grown in various ways isn't it we've grown in height we've grown in wisdom we've grown in stature we've, we've grown I won't carry on but other ways in which we've grown but the reality is is that God wants us to grow there's this wonderful portion in the Bible that I'm sure many of you have ever have heard of before, and it's, it's a parable of the sower. 
It's a story found in Matthew 13 and other Gospels as well. But it talks about this, this terrain that is possible to produce something that when you sow seed into it, it can bring forth a harvest. The seed will fall, it will grow, it will germinate, it will grow, and then it could produce fruit. But Jesus is telling this story. Jesus is amazing. He always went around telling stories. He loved that. And so he goes around telling the story of you know, some seed fell on this, this um, road where like, there was no place for it to actually germinate and, and the birds from the air could see it and they, boop, they pick it up and the seed's gone. All right, well, seed's gone. I sowed it there, but nothing left. Then he said there was another piece of terrain that some seed fell in and it's the rocky places. It was around a lot of rocks and so it was shallow ground and so it germinated but but it couldn't last long because it was very shallow ground. And then there was the ground that, that had a lot of weeds amongst it, thorns and thistles. And, and, and so the, the seed fell in there. It, it germinated, started growing, but the, the thorns and the weeds around it kind of suffocated the life out of it and it died. And then there was this perfect area where the ground was prepared and as the seed into this particular place, it could germinate well and it could grow and it produced a wonderful harvest. Now, it talks about growth. This whole story that Jesus shares with us in Matthew 13 is about growth, that he wants us to grow, that he actually has created us to grow. And that as we love the word and we read it and we learn about what God teaches us from the Bible, we start applying it, we grow. We grow. But we grow in a different way. Something happens inside of us that turns our hearts closer to Him and we become more and more obedient to who He is and what He expects of us and how He wants us to live and how He wants us to treat one another. But He says... That you've got to make sure that the terrain, the condition of your heart is conducive for what you learn to bring about a change in you. And it's your responsibility, it's not mine. We can help one another and uh, we can talk about how the ideal terrain should look like. But it's ultimately my responsibility for my own and yours for your own. We can sit here this morning and, and perhaps say that me sitting here is preparing the terrain for my heart, which is great. It's very possible, but it, what is more important and actually most important is what you do from here till the next opportunity that you have something like this at your disposal. It's how you live your life, Monday to Sunday that determines the condition of your heart. And Jesus was saying that this footpath actually really says that there's a resisted interest in the, in, in, in the seed. I'm not really interested in this. We pretend to be interested in God, yet our hearts are actually completely close to Him. A footpath, nothing can grow on it. It's hard soil. You sow something on it, it's not going to do anything. Not going to grow. The birds come and as the Bible says, it just pick it up and seed's gone. So that, that heart 
has no interest in the seed. Absolutely nothing. And I dare to say that we as people could find ourselves at times in that position where we say, I have no interest in God. I have no interest in what the Bible teaches me. And I just resist Him. And I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm just saying that these are the possible conditions of the hearts of man. That will determine the condition of your growth. And of your, st your stature before God. We can be 65 with all due respect. And have lived a good life. And have done a few things. And have traveled everywhere. And have obtained a number of items in our lives. And we, we're okay. But the most important thing about your life, my friend, is not what you have in your hands, but what is the condition of your heart. And the condition of your heart is determined by what you do with the truth, which is the seed that God sows into our lives. And so we have to understand that a footpath is a really pretty scary place, because that's where we completely resist. The second terrain is this rocky place, where we have a shallow interest in the seed. It appears as if we are interested in God and the things of God, but we have very little interest, and initially we appear as we desire God, but when pressure comes, we have little determination to walk with Him, and the process stops. Like, it appears. <laughs> so I, I lived like that for many years of my life, where, where I appeared to people as though, I remember making sure that my Bible was the right way up. If it was upside down, I would be in trouble, I felt. And so I always made sure, just dusted it off. And uh, I never read it. I never interested in it. I was just interested in what people thought of me. And so my heart was hard against God, but um, concerned about what people thought about me. And so when maybe somebody would come into my room and just dust it off. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I've got a Bible. <laughs> That's all right, eh? No, it's nothing that that brought it into my life. I was resisting God. The third area is the area of, of thorns and thistles and weeds uh, where there's a crowded interest in the seed. I'm, a, I'm interested in the seed, but I'm actually more interested in this stuff. And Jesus warns us about these things that could so easily come and, and hamper growth because we're interested in the, in the cares of the world and the things of the world. And, the, and he uses these words, the deceitfulness of riches. He's not saying that riches are bad. And last week when Clive so, spoke so clearly about money, it was about the love of money that we spoke about. It wasn't about money. It was about this thing that we make so important and so big in our lives. And Jesus is saying, that, you know, when there's thorns and thistles, these things that, that come and there's a good seed that God plants into our lives, but the cares of the world and, oh, I've got to live for this and I've got to live for that and I, I've got to obtain this and those things come and they crowd the seed, and the seed is killed. And so very little comes of it. Then the ideal is obviously the good soil, where there's real genuine interest in the seed. It's the only place where growth takes place, and it is the place where there's an openness to God and the Word of God, and growth happens from then. This then, this, in, this area or this terrain, produces change in such a person. Based on the condition of their hearts, and the consequences or the, the context around them. And so when we receive the word, we're like, God, oh, this is a tough one, but I'm not going to allow any hardness of heart to resist 
what you want to say to me. I'm not going to allow the cares of the world to kill what you want to say to me and what you teach from your word. I want to just meditate on it and sit on it and like, well, let me think this through. That's why, by the way, we encourage people that don't just come here and sit and listen because 5% of what I'm saying you're going to remember. Gee, that's bad. Anyway, I love you still. Um, point is, when we take notes, it helps us to digest. And it's not about my preach. It's about when we consider the Word of God, there's value in it. And I want to take that with me and, and just work it through and, and just massage it into my life. Let it marinate my soul so that something good can come from it. And so I encourage you, make notes. So write down so that you can remember. I want to take you, as we talk about this, about cultivating, receiving the word, cultivating it, and so that it can produce fruit. I want to take you to some other portions of Scripture. And, and um, 1 Thessalonians, if you would like to turn there with me, if you've got a Bible, why don't you do that? If you've got a device, just swipe there and uh, find 1 Thessalonians. We're going to just read about this concept of growing. And that is actually the most natural way for us to live is to grow. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 11, I'm going to read to you and then we'll comment as we go through some of these verses. You all still good? All right. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3 and verse 11, you'll find it on the screen as well. It says, Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. So Paul is writing to some believers in a city called Thessalonica. All right? He's like, hey, I'd love to come and see you. And he says in verse 12, And may the Lord, apart from me wanting to come and see you, he says, And may the Lord um, make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So Paul's saying, hey guys, I don't only want to come and be with you. I want to see the following happen in your hearts. Because this is a growth issue. This is a change issue. There's something to transform in our lives. What is it in this context? Increase and abound in love for one another. So he's saying, Listen, you're doing well, but you need to increase. You need to care more for each other. And it's and it's something that all of us should identify and find, well, that's quite relevant for me. Anybody that feel you've, you've reached the optimum of loving people, you can't go beyond, it's like you're the best lover of people. I mean, you can't go more. It's like there's nothing more I can do. I mean, I love them to the max. None of us, uh-huh. It's like there's lots of space. How many of you feel that there's lots of space? And you're like, say, yo, God, I need more. You need help because there's some people that I really find difficult to love. You know? <laughs> there are those. Um, they're not here. They're not here. Hey, none of them here. You guys are amazing. So, so easy to love you. <laughs> but Paul is saying, I see that there's a need for us to grow. And there's a need for us to grow. Uh huh? All of us. And um, it carries on. It says, verse 13, so that he, God, may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
with all these saints. And I just want to quickly just mention three words that are quite important and some words that may sound a little bit um, scary in a sense. You've never heard of words being scary in church. Sometimes we, we don't understand these words and it's the word justification. Ever heard that? And then there's the word sanctification. Uh-huh. And there's the word glorification. Hey, big words, eh? <laughs> I'm Afrikaans speaking. I could even say that without reading them. So the first word is explained like this. Justification happens when I understand who Jesus is, that he died on the cross for my sins. And in one moment, as I express my faith in him, and, I, and I'm born again, that's what the Bible teaches me, I'm justified. It's a legal term in a sense, where I stand before him and I say, I have no guilt anymore. All of my sins have been washed away. I've been justified. I can approach the Father, not on the basis of what I've done, but on the basis of what Jesus has done for me. And so that happens instantly, in one moment, as I express my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What will eventually happen is it's called glorification. And that is what we really would experience when we go to heaven. And we see the glory of God, and we are glorified, and we no longer have this physical that we have here on earth and, and we look different and we, we, we just, there's no sin around and we're in His glory. So from justification to glorification could be a number of years. Uh-huh. The process that links these two is what we call sanctification. Is that we, we grow from a point of expressing faith the first time to a place where we eventually die and as I say, we don't know these, the, the time frame of this. Could be very long, could be short. But God in that time wants to sanctify us. And that's what Paul is talking about. He says, he wants to establish you, your hearts blameless in holiness. We ought to become more like Jesus. So we have this time left on earth, not just to wish, oh, I wish I can go to heaven. Oh, he's like, I can go to heaven now. I'm just so sick and tired of this and that and all these things. And I just want to get away. I just want to get away. And actually, it's not a time to wish to die. It's a time to be alive. So that you can become more like Christ. And others can see who Christ is. That's the beauty and the, and the challenge in a sense as well. That we are here on earth to grow. Not to become stagnant. And just... I'm saved now. I'll now go to heaven. No, it's, hey, I want more of heaven to be formed in me in this time that I'm still around here on earth. And so this is what Paul is talking about. He says then, verse, um, verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Again, the concept of, you've started off somewhere, you've done well, but don't stop now. More and more of this that needs to be formed in you. And so when we live our lives as believers and as followers of Jesus, we've got to understand that growth needs to happen. We cannot ignore it. We cannot deny the fact that growth is part of God's plan for our lives. And I want to take you to Philippians. That just reiterates this as well. 
Philippians chapter 1. Now Paul is talking to a different audience here. Church in Philippi. And he says the following in chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. How many of you have said that about somebody else before? Gee, I thank my God when I remember them. When you think, there's some people that you don't want to think of. Never mind thank God for. Huh? It's bad on you. No, no. <laughs> it really are some people like, oh God, please don't let me remember them. Because if I remember them, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to thank you for them. Uh-huh. You have some people like that? None. She goes, this, this, this side is very holy. It's very good. Anybody here that battle with good? <laughs> the point is that it's a reality. Um, there are some people that we really don't want to remember because it will really be difficult to thank God for them. But it shouldn't be like that. Hey, it's, very, it's those very people that we say to God, God, please remind me of them so that I can allow you to change my heart to start thanking you for them. Uh-huh. That's the right way to look at it. Like, no, 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 just let that, that thought go away. I don't want to think of Johnny now. No, 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 not Johnny. Like, oh, that person, yeah, is a very kind person. Easy to thank God for them. There are those that we need to allow God to bring to our minds so we can thank God for them. And he says then, when I think of them, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. So like when he thinks of them, he prays for them. He says in verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Something beautiful that they've experienced. Then he says this about them. And I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So Paul is just reiterating what I said to you. That Paul said, hey, there was a day in which the good work of God started in you. You allowed him to start that good work in you. There will be a day in which it will be completed. When you go to heaven, then we'll be perfect. But there's a time frame in between that Paul is saying, I'm praying for you guys. That the good work that God started will not stop. But that you will allow him to complete that work. In other words, that it will grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Until such a time that you no longer are around here. And so what he's actually again just stating is that, guys, we need to grow as believers in our hearts. I want to say this to you, that birth is our introduction to life, and life is God's invitation to growth. Want to hear that again? Birth, as you would imagine and you would agree, birth is our introduction to life. Aquarius, two years Celebrated his second birthday this week. And birth was Quaid's introduction to life. But life is God's invitation. So during life, we are invited by God to grow. Not just physically, because you all have done well, all right? You really have done. Just pat your, your friend or your partner on the right or on the left. Say, hey, well done, you've grown, hey? can see that but the thing that we're really talking about this morning is not the growth that we can easily notice we've got to know each other better and that growth is what Jesus is committed to in your and my life when we're born we start the journey of life when we agree to have Jesus as our king we start the process of growth and it's a natural expression of life because where there is life 
there is growth. So let's do a simple exercise. Okay? You're not going to get up and do some jumps or whatever. Don't worry. It may help some of you because some of you are seemingly falling asleep. But just check on one another. All right? All good? All right. What do you think? I'll give the answer to you. But in the last 10 years, what has changed in the, in the world? Just a number of things. And, and I'm sure that most of you 10 years ago, you were old enough to remember that. And um, you'll remember how the world was like in 2008. Interesting thing. In January 2007, the iPhone was introduced. Did you know that? It's about 11 years ago. And today, everybody's so familiar with the iPhone and can't believe that it's only 10 years, 11 years ago, that that thing was introduced. That thing that you're worried about at the moment. May not be an iPhone, maybe another thing. That thing that you're just checking if there's any messages that have come through. That thing that you should not be listening to so much. That, let me not go there. Let me just, thank you. See, I'm... Social media has, in the last 10 years, become a place where people look for identity. How many friends have I got who has lost, sent me a Twitter message, and tweeted me, and who said this, and who said what? Only 10 years. In the last 10 years, TV screens are flatter. How's that? Huh? Just an observation. 10 years ago, it wasn't like that. In the last 10 years, we've developed a new language as we text. It is horrible. I don't like it. I still am old school. So when I text people, I don't, the predictive text thing that tries to make it shorter for me and tells me how I do it, I, I don't like that. I like to still do the capitals and the full letter and everything as it's supposed to be, how I was raised. Thank you, my English teacher, whatever her name was. <laughs> Anyway, so our language has even changed in the way that we text one another. Organic food has become popular. It's kind of like the in thing these days to eat organic food. Nothing wrong with it. But 10 years ago, we just ate you know, whatever. Chefs have become quite cool. It's kind of like a thing to be a chef these days. I was like, yeah, it's a cool thing, eh? Like 10 years ago, we were like, oh, whatever, chef, you know? Oh, GPSs. We live on the GPS. We can't get lost anymore. Ten years ago, people were all over the place. They're like, stop. Excuse me, do you know how to... We don't stop to ask directions anymore. Not that men ever did that. Because that's the last thing that a man would do, isn't it? Even before GPSs, they never asked for directions. Because they know. Oh, they always knew how to get to a place. But point is, in the last ten years, things have really changed. These are changes that our world is experiencing. And most of it, if not all of them, are celebrated by the world. Some we don't celebrate, some we don't like, but most of it we do like. And we keep on looking for more change. We're like, oh, can't wait for the new this and this to come out. And because we're anticipating change the whole time. We live in a world where the old is no longer good enough, when we almost despise the old. Because we live in a world of constant change. <laughs> we all would agree that humanity needs change and growth needs to come in various areas of humans. Uh -huh. Not just in technology, the way we operate, but humanity needs to change. Uh, some ideas could be where we could suggest, you know, maybe people should change in the way that they behave towards children. Not just adults, but children should change. It's like, well, adults have behaved badly towards children. 
Maybe humanity can really be addressed in that way. Maybe children could also be addressed in the way that they treat adults. People should change, and people have suggested this, in the way that they treat nature and animals and our world and the oceans and pollution and all that stuff. And it's like, a oh, cry, one. Humanity changed in the way that they treat the world. <laughs> There's a cry for people that they should change in the way that they govern nations in this world. Thank God we're not, it's not relevant here. Anyway, it's very... <laughs> people are asked, and there's a cry that people should change the way that they, that they treat money. Uh, more fair spreading of it and can certainly be beneficial to everybody in this world. And, and there's this cry that humanity should change in that way. We are all expecting various things to change in humanity, but this is the big but. But few or none of us think about changing ourselves. There's a lot of things that I could ask, you could ask me, what do I want to see change in this world? And I could present a list to you of what should change out there. Oh, they should, and they should, and they shouldn't, and, and whatever. The thing we need to ask ourselves as friends and is what am I prepared to see change in me? How's the growth happening in my life? Not what growth needs to happen in my wife, or in my friends, or in my boss, or in my employees. But growth starts with me. And so, the reality is that there's always going to be stuff that needs to be changed. But God will always start with me. With you and me. And we do have a reluctance to change. We do like set ways. There's a story of a man who went out and bought himself a radio. None, not many of us use radios anymore in the sense of those old style radios where you pull out the antenna and you tune it here. The man bought, bought this radio and took it home and, and immediately he went in, he tuned it to the station that he wants to to and always likes to listen and he set it there and he pulled out the knob that could change the station could change the frequency so that no one will ever dare to move it away from the preferred frequency that he likes to have it on and I wonder if we have not kind of lost the knob that can change things in our lives we pulled it off and we said this is who I am this is how I will die this is not going to change in me I've been brought up this way. I've kind of been exposed to certain things that have resulted in this kind of behavior. And this is who I am. And change ain't going to happen this station. This is what it's always been like. I'm going to stay here. You don't, there's no knob to change. You can try. I'll pull it off. No one's going to change me. It's like, yeah, I listen to you, God, and it's a great story. That's a bit rough there. Live for somebody else and instead of my own interest, to think of others more highly than I think about myself. Hey, that's a bit of a tall ask, eh? So, hey, there's no knob for that one to change. That one's going to change in no way at all. But God has a desire for us to change. 
we see that in Romans 8 verse 29, and I'm going to read all of it, but it's very clear that it says that God has predestined us. He's, he's thought ahead of you and me to be, in, to be conformed, to be changed into the image of His Son. So whether you have a radio station that is set there for, for life, it's God's desire that we do not stay the same. Here's Jesus. Here's who He is, and we read about it in the Bible and we see who He is and how beautiful He is and how amazing He is, we have to change towards that image. There's this constant process that you and I need to go through. And growth has always been His desire. Growth is this. There's a wonderful portion of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. It really just says this. Whatever I look at constantly, that's what I become. And so Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, he's saying, when you behold the image of the Lord Jesus Christ as in a mirror, you are being transformed. You are being conformed into the same image. So when we look at Him, when we consider Him, and this is also a moment to consider Him. When we look at who He is, we're like, what? That's certainly not me. I'm like, yeah, it's not evident in my life. I'm on a different station. But I've got to adjust. And I want to. That's sanctification. That's the process of becoming more like Him. I found myself in Pretoria on Friday. My son had a fall and uh, we rushed down to go attend to him. Our middle son is studying at Tux. And um, praise the Lord, he's fine. And on Friday morning I went for a run uh, in the area where I was staying with, at my brother's house. And I ran to the very place where this process in my life started. Where in 1986, I was confronted with the reality of who Jesus is. I didn't know Him as a Savior. I was 19 years old. And on Friday morning, I ran onto the property that in the east of Pretoria, it used to be a drive-in. Because it was way out of town. Nowadays, everything is just so built up and developed that it's just amongst the, uh, the, the residential areas and houses everywhere. And uh, I felt to run this there because I haven't been on, there for, on that property for such a long time. And, and I remember the days when we were students when, uh, the, you know, these speaker um, posts that you have for the cars to turn next to. And you, you know, many of you will not know what I'm talking about, but you take the speaker out and you hang it onto your window and then you listen to the movie that's being portrayed on the, on the driving um, screen. I, I remember us um, having to chop them all down with an angle grind. And now the beautiful parking area. Yeah, these guys, they don't have a clue what we went through. They're just loving this beautiful open area to park wherever they want to. But there were some young people uh, a couple of years ago that prepared that. And as I just reminisced, I ran across there. And I became so thankful for 1986 and the process that God had started in my life. I'm not in any way saying that you know, I've achieved anything, because I haven't. But I'm thankful that He had started a good work in my life at that time. And as I ran across the property, I could see the development that had taken place and some beautiful things that they've done. There's a school there with about a thousand kids and beautiful sports uh, terrain. And I was kind of saying, God, I, I wonder how my heart looks like since then. 
have I allowed you to develop me the way that you've used these people to develop this terrain? It's not an answer that I could come up with because I will be very biased if I would answer it myself. You understand? Oh yeah, I think I've done it okay. It's like, God, what do you think? The development, the seed that you've sown into my life, what have I done with it? Have I been faithful with everything that you've given me? Have I looked after what you're expecting me to look after? So folks, this morning, I, I want to end with this and just asking you that same question that I'm asking myself and I feel God is asking me is that the seed that He is still, because this process is more and more and more. It doesn't stop. It has started. If it has not started in your life yet, we'd love to help you to see a process of God working in you start because that is the most important work that we could ever allow to take place in us. Many of you have studied, you've done well, many of you have equipped yourself in various skills. That is great. But the most important thing that you could ever allow yourself to go through is a work of God in your heart. And so this morning I want to encourage you. Asking you the question is, is your station perhaps set on a certain frequency? It's like, well, that's it, buddy. I've set it there. How am I going to change? Firstly, about God. Well, I don't believe in God. You know, I'm, some good things about Him that I kind of like, but hey, a life lived to the full where, gee, I've got to give all that I have to Him. I'm not asking your, your, your possession. I'm talking about your heart. It's like, nah, that's a bit of a tall ask. That's the first thing we've got to ask ourselves. So have you ever done that? The second thing is, maybe you have given your life to Christ and, and you were... You love the idea that he came to die for your sins, but you're kind of still stuck on a certain frequency. You're like, that's where I am. I'm not going to move away. I'm comfortable here. My wife complains about this behavior. Tough. She's going to live with me. That's where I am. Whatever the situation is, we're just like, I'm stuck here. Live with it, baby. I challenge you, as I challenge myself, you're going to let God take control of this knob and move it to the station that he wants us to function from. Can I ask you to close your eyes as we just pray together? God, I pray this morning that none of us will, will leave and sit here right now expecting others to change first. But that, Lord, that we will be willing to say that the most natural way that we ought to live our lives is to grow. And we, no matter how old we are, Lord God, there's always room for growth. And I pray that whatever state of mind and of heart we are, condition of hearts here this morning, whether there are people who are saying, I have no interest in God, people who are saying, I have a shallow interest in God, there are people who are crowded interest in God, lots of other things that they love, and, and then there are people that are really willing and, and interested in God. I don't know, Lord God, where everybody may be, but I pray that we will be willing, whatever condition we may fail ourselves in, to say, God, I'm willing to change. I want to grow. 
And I want to ask you to help me with that because I cannot do it on my own. So Jesus, I pray for hearts this morning, my own included, that we will not become numb to the process of change that you want to accomplish in our lives. God, I trust you to help us. I pray that there will be a willingness in our hearts this morning to say, God, change me. Let it start with me. And I trust you for that, Father. Thank you, Jesus.